Proverbs 27. Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. Let another praise you, and not your own mouth, a stranger, and not your own lips. What I want you to do is pick out a verse that you'd like to go over, and we'll talk about the meaning of that particular verse. So take a minute um, and pick out a verse. You can't talk, but you can all pick the same verse. Yes. I have one too. <laughs> I have one too. <laughs> All right, let's take that one first. Oh, okay. Take a man's garment when he has put up security for a stranger. Hold it in pledge when he puts up security for an adulteress. What's the meaning of that verse? The meaning of that verse is don't support unfaithful things. Um, a man's <clears throat> garment was like security for something. And he says, take it if he puts up security for a stranger. In other words, that's a dumb thing to do. Don't give your support to people who are not faithful. And it says the same thing. Uh, Hold it in pledge when he puts up security for an adulteress, um, for a person who's not faithful. Uh, you can't support that kind of person. If you do, you'll be hurt. All right, somebody else, another verse. Number three, you want to read it for us? All right, bring that for us. What insight do we get from that verse? Did you have some insight you want to share from that verse or explain it, or would you like us to explain it? You'd like me to explain it. Okay. <laughs> All right. We know that the weight of a stone is heavy. But look what it says, a fool's provocation. What's provocation? Provoking, yeah. Okay, like teasing, provoking, nagging, getting at something. It's heavier than both. It's, it, it's saying it's... It's more serious, yes. It's more serious than any of those things. Don't take it lightly. It's heavy. It's the stone. Stone and sand. Mm-hmm. Yep. He's using the stone and sand as an example. And... Uh, Yes, he's going to be in trouble. All right, another verse you had? 15, you want to read it for us? The next verse goes with that. To restrain her is to restrain the wind or to grasp oil in one's right hand. Um, so um, the writer of the Proverbs is acknowledging um, and, and this, this is saying, women, you need to be careful. You have a, something that you can use that's often used as a weapon. And what is that? Your words. And he's saying, uh, a quarrelsome wife are alike. 
she can't be restrained. I've seen people like that. You, you, you want to say you want to uh, appease a person or, or get them out of an argument, and they just won't listen to reason, and they won't stop with, with their arguing or quarreling. Um, on and on it's hard to resolve one of the one of the hardest things is if you start trying to stop a water leak in something okay um, it's very very difficult he uses the analogy it's like grasping oil in your right hand <laughs> you're grasping and you can't hold it it squeezes out right it oozes out so it's very difficult uh, to control now the wisdom there says then if you know that, be careful, be careful, be wise with your speech and listen to, to the Holy Spirit. Um, anybody have one, Chente, you said you had one that you didn't understand. I have one that I didn't understand. It might be the same one. 14. Oh, I got that one. Mine would be um, number, verse 10. Let's go over 14 first. Whoever blesses his neighbor with a loud voice rising early in the morning would be counted as a cursing. Let me explain it this way. I have an alarm clock, and it has two modes on it. One mode is the regular uh, sound, and then the next mode is what I would call just super annoying. I mean super annoying. And it is very, very loud. And every once in a while, I accidentally put it on that mode. And I, I wake up with a headache when it's on that mode. Uh, and so what he's saying is whoever blesses his neighbor with a loud voice, that's not a blessing at all, will be counted as cursing. So you're not blessing a neighbor that way. You are actually aggravating them and, and annoying them as, as cursing would be. Um, <laughs> my father used to... Uh, he used to wake us up. We, we all, all the boys um, had one big giant bedroom that we all shared. And so he always thought he had problems waking us up. So I played a trombone. I was like in the sixth grade, fifth grade. I played a trombone. When he couldn't wake us up, he would put my trombone together and blow it. Of course, he couldn't blow the trombone, but he could make noise with it. And it felt like that. I like that. A gentle shake would have been good enough. I wake up pretty good. Um, but he didn't believe that. <laughs> so so that, that verse is stuck in my mind because of that. So he helped me understand that verse. <laughs> Let me get to verse 10. Do not forsake your friend and your father's friend. Do not go to your brother's house in the day of your calamity. Better is a neighbor who is near than a brother who is far away. Understand the far better is a neighbor who is near than a brother who is far away. I don't understand what it says. Do not go to your brother's house in the day of your calamity. Uh, maybe you can help me understand that. <coughs> Perhaps it could be saying, um, be careful um, how you unload your problems on someone who is to be a help to you. It could be saying that, for instance. Okay, what is it? 
you have a comment? Insight from truth seekers. We have to have you guys included in our group more often. Thank you. Thank you for your participation. There's a couple I wanted to mention. Anybody else want to mention a few more before we move on? Um, the very first one, do not, um, actually it's verse two. First one is very clear. Do not boast about tomorrow. You do not know what a day may bring. <clears throat> Let another praise you and not your own mouth, a stranger and not your own lips. And um, in verse 21, the crucible is for silver, the furnace is for gold, a man and a man is tested by his praise. Another verse that goes with that, verse 6, faithful are the wounds of a friend, profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Um, I think those all go together. Proper response to praise so that we don't become, um, what's the word? Stuck on ourselves, that's what conceited means. Um, and so be careful of how we receive praise. There was um, in chapter 25 of Proverbs, it, it said basically the same thing, talking about honey. If you found honey, eat only enough for you, lest you have your feel of it and vomit it. Uh, that's Proverbs 25, 16. It really is talking about self-praise. Be careful. Don't trip over your own praise. Um, be, be very careful about that. Now, we do that, but we also had a problem with false humility. Um, and so we act as if um, we are not concerned with praise at all. And we need to allow the Lord to examine that because oftentimes that's just a shield to shield um, ourselves uh, from praise. Shield ourselves as, as being okay with praise. Um, a man is tested. We all need to be encouraged, right? We all need to be told when we've done well, but we have to respond to that. What that Jesus told about the master who left the talents to his servants, and he actually told the ones who did well, well done, good and faithful servant. He praised them. And so um, there's nothing wrong with praise. The problem is we cannot be able to handle it when we don't take it in the right way. All right. I'll turn things over for our meditation time. <clears throat> Sorry, just trying to pull up the notes. There we go. So we're going to be continuing our meditation through Ezekiel. And we're in this arc where we're talking about <coughs> rejection of the word. And I guess we're kind of transitioning to a new arc where he's going to start illustrating what the judgment will look like. And there's something that really cool that goes on in, in chapter 14 that I want to point out. Um, so let's, let's do this. 
Let's turn to Jeremiah 15 first. Okay? Jeremiah 15. Keep in mind that Jeremiah came before Ezekiel, and they were alive for a bit together. Okay? So you could look at Jeremiah almost as if his big brother. All right, so what we'll do is we'll read Jeremiah 15, 1 through 4. Um, somebody can read that for me, and then I will continue on and read Ezekiel 14, 12 through the end of the chapter, okay? So who can read Jeremiah 15, 1 through 4 for me? All right, Naomi will? Okay, so go ahead, Naomi, and then I'll continue from there. And then we'll continue Ezekiel 14. And the word of the Lord came to me, son of man, when a land sins against me by acting faithlessly, and I stretch out my hand against it and break its supply of bread and send famine upon it and cut off from it man and beast, even if these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job were in it, they would deliver but their own lives by their righteousness, declares the Lord God. If I cause wild beasts to pass through the land and they ravage it, and it is made desolate so that no one may pass through because of the beast. Even if these three men were in it, as I live, declares the Lord God, they would deliver, deliver neither sons nor daughters. They alone will be delivered, but the land will be desolate. Or if I bring a sword upon the land and say, let a sword pass through the land, and I cut off from it man and beast. Though these three men were in it, as I live, declares the Lord God, they would deliver neither sons nor daughters, but they alone would be delivered. Or if I send a pestilence in the land and pour out my wrath upon it with blood to cut off from it man and beast, even if Noah, Daniel, and Job were in it, as I live, declares the Lord God, they would deliver neither son nor daughter. They would deliver but their own lives by their righteousness. For thus says the Lord God, how much more when I send upon Jerusalem my four disastrous acts of judgment, sword, famine, wild beast, and pestilence that cut off from it man and beast, but behold, some survivors will be left in it, sons and daughters who will be brought out. Behold, when they come out to you and you see their ways and their deeds, you will be consoled for the disaster that I have brought upon Jerusalem, for all that I have brought upon it. They will console you when you see their ways and their deeds, and you shall know that I have not done without cause all that I have done in it, declares the Lord God. All right. Let's just talk about these passages. We read two different passages. What do they have in common? Yeah, there's four means of judgment in each. Both of them talk about that. What else? Go ahead, Brother Jamal. Yeah, like there's this idea um, and, and there. And so think with it through me here. In Jeremiah 15, who are the two that he mentions? Anybody remember? Moses and Samuel. What are Moses and Samuel known for? I'm sorry. Go ahead. Okay, how hard? Okay, well, okay, that's a good way of wording it. How hard they tried to save the people from themselves. That is a very good way of putting it. All right. So let's think of it in this way, that Moses oftentimes prayed for the people, and the Lord was set to destroy them. And Moses said, please, Lord, don't destroy them. And the Lord was like, okay, Moses, because it's you. Okay. Right? 
And then Samuel is also known for that. He prayed for the people. Many times they were sinful. Remember that they even lost the Ark of the Covenant. Okay? So you can imagine that that's a horrible disaster to lose the Ark of the Covenant. It's pretty much close to the temple like being destroyed in that sense. Think if the enemy had it. Think if we had the cross that Jesus died on and somehow the Lord let us keep that and Muslims captured it. What would that be like? That would be crazy, right? And so that would be a horrible thing to us for that to happen. That's what happened when the Ark of the Covenant was captured, except it wouldn't just be a symbol. That's actually where God <laughs> said he was. They captured God? Now, God humbled them for that. But the point is, is God was kind of saying in his own way by letting himself be captured. He was saying, I don't know if I want to belong to these people anymore. <laughs> Wasn't he saying that? And so he calls upon the memory, Jeremiah calls upon the memory of Samuel and Moses in a way of saying, hey, these two men prayed for the people and God answered their prayers. But even if these two men were to pray right now, I wouldn't answer them. Isn't that crazy? And then he mentions these four things of judgment. Now, here comes Ezekiel saying a similar thing. Why does Ezekiel say a similar thing? Why do you think the passages are so similar? Well, they definitely were about the same people. But remember, Jeremiah came first. What do you think Ezekiel is doing here? Okay. Jerem Ezekiel is saying, my big brother Jeremiah already spoke to you people. And he said this. And now I'm echoing it. Let's put it another way. Ezekiel is preaching the word of God. It just so happened that the word of God happened to be said 10 years ago. Okay? It's no different than if you say, hey, you know, pastor said this good thing to me, and I remember it, and I'm going to say that to somebody else. No different, right? Ezekiel is learning from the word of God. Guess what? There's nobody who doesn't need to learn from the word of God, even if they write the word of God. Amen? So that's one thing that's happening here. What's the second thing that is happening here? Well, what Chantel is saying is that they're very similar passages because they're making a similar point. But let's just talk about the three people that Ezekiel mentions. Who does he mention? All right, what are unique about Noah, Daniel, and Job, and why unique that those three be together? Okay, unique faithfulness in what way? Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay, faithful to death. How many people were faithful with Noah? We don't even know if that is the case, right? But we do know that Noah was faithful in the world pretty much alone. How many people supported Job in his worst hour to obey the Lord. When Job was in his hardest day, all his friends were attacking him. Okay? And then Daniel, of course, we know that he had his three friends, but pretty much just like Noah did have his family with him, 
yeah, Daniel had his friends, but in the end, you could say that there's many moments when Daniel was thrown in the lion's den, who was there? The story does not record anybody else being there. We don't know, and I'm not saying his friends weren't faithful, but my point is, is the way that the Bible portrays it, it portrays it as if Daniel, Job, and Noah stood alone. Right? They stood alone in their faithfulness. Here's one of the points that Ezekiel is right, and he is saying this without saying this. He is saying, faithful people in this day and age live alone because you people are too wicked. You're too wicked. All y'all wicked. The reason not to bring up Noah is because everybody else is not doing right. If y'all was in the time of Noah, y'all would all be out there drowned. If y'all was in the time of Job, you'd be with his friends. If y'all was in the time of Daniel, you would be eating the food that was sacrificed to the idols. You wouldn't be eating vegetables. You guys are those people. The second thing is the judgment is inevitable, right? The judgment is inevitable. Don't count on somebody else to pray for you, he says. Right? Grandmama gonna pray for me. No, grandma's prayer is not gonna be heard for you what he says don't count on these dudes their faithfulness does not rub off on you but then there's something interesting that he talks about in the last point he says if I did all these things it wouldn't leave any survivors except for these guys but I'm bringing all four of them and yet there will be survivors why will there be survivors Um, that that's true to some extent. What are you saying? To show his mercy, right? To show his mercy. God leaves a remnant, right? God leaves a remnant. Isaiah said another way, if the Lord would not leave us a remnant, we would be like Sodom. It's amazing when you think of people left to their own devices, how they actually behave. It's crazy. And what God is showing us is if he didn't show us mercy, we would all be like animals. We would have a chaotic society. Even the best of us would not look so good. But God shows us mercy. And he's going to leave a remnant. And when you think about that remnant, you know, on Thursday night Bible study, we're going to talk about that remnant. We could think about the fact that, yes, all the Jews rejected Jesus. But then we look at the New Testament, and guess what it's written by? Jews. Paul is a Jew. Peter's a Jew. James is a Jew. All these guys are Jews. And what are they? They are the faithful remnant that God called. And the point is that God leaves a remnant everywhere. Right? He leaves remnants. He allows people to be saved everywhere that we look. It's an amazing thing that people would ever listen to the gospel in some sense. It's also an amazing thing that people don't, but <laughs> that's a whole other question, right? But it's an amazing thing that people turn their lives to the Lord. And when we see it, we should recognize that we're seeing a miracle. Amen? So when you come to church, you should be thankful. Because when you look at your brothers and sisters, you see somebody that was saved by Jesus Christ. You see a miracle. You see somebody who wouldn't be here if God didn't do something. And that's a blessing. Amen?